Bact empowers you to get it together with a single digital wallet. Use Bact to aggregate, convert, send, and spend digital assets like crypto, loyalty, and rewards points and gift cards. Go to BACKT.com and start treating your digital assets just like cash. I'd like to also thank Kraken. With Kraken, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or earn additional rewards through their industry-leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit kraken.com scoop to learn more. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy-to-use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone. No account registration is required. Download Exodus at exodus.com and you're ready to go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. And today, joining us on the other side of the mic, on the other side of the ocean, he's calling in from Matthias Imbach, co-founder and group CEO at Signum. Thank you for joining us. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Looking forward to our discussion. Yeah, me too. And I think it'll be nice to get perspective of what's going on in the ground in Europe you might be one of the first guests we've had calling in from the continent in quite some time. There's obviously some differences in the way that the crypto ecosystem is being built out there. But before we maybe talk about some of the trends you're seeing, walk us through the firm, right? It's a sort of digital asset like bank based in Switzerland. You have a securities dealer license, a banking license. What's the business? Yes, you can think of us uh, as a as a digital asset technology group with a banking license, and uh, in Singapore also an asset manager license. And why did we do that? I mean, we are we were we are four co-founders. We've all been in the space for many years before seventeen as well. Uh, but looking at the space from different angles, investing in the space. Um, one of my co-founders was the lawyer behind the idea of launching. Um, decentralized infrastructure and protocols via the Swiss foundation structure. So he set up the Ethereum foundation. So there were different angles from how we've looked at the space. And we've just realized in 2017 that if we want to bring true adoption or into the space, also institutional adoption, we need to kind of bridge these two worlds and, and accept that future has heritage, right? The future of how I think you and I and, and many that of the listeners believe in, but there's also a heritage which we need to accept in order for it to actually, you know, unfold. And so that's what Signum does. So we are successful if if I go and speak to a, a bank CEO and he understands what we're doing as much as when I go and speak to a CTO or a VP engineering of a crypto foundation or a protocol. And that's what we do. So we offer um, basically services across the entire value chain from custody accounts and custody for both fiat and crypto stable coins, asset tokens. We offer a 24-7 trading facility with options as well. Uh, we have a lending business where we take crypto as collateral and give out fiat loans. We have a suite of, of asset management products. And we do that with a focus on institutional clients, crypto foundations, asset managers, family offices, um, and also private investors, as well as banks on the B2B side. And so that's, in, in a nutshell, what we do. We are now 100 
50 people across Switzerland, Singapore. Uh, in the US, you may not know us so much because we're not active in the US um, uh, right now because we also believe that the whole um, you know Europe Asia angle is really where we can make a difference and 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 where we see massive growth. And uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a fascinating time to be in the industry and to to drive and grow the business. So. So what does the asset management side of the business look like? Are you providing technology to traditional asset managers to have them give products encrypted to their clients? That's part of it. We help traditional asset managers, for example, to set up products, structured products, but also have our own. So we have, for example, a fund of fund, which we directly distribute, which could you know, make it onto a list of for example, are the traditional regulated financial institutions. We have ETPs, which are listed, exchange-traded products, which are listed on Swiss Stock Exchange, for example. And of course, uh, we have our direct token exposure, which we then include in our portfolios that we drive via our asset management business. So it's, it's really, and maybe also quite important is, given that we're still educating a lot of the traditional asset managers and generally various types of market participants there's also quite an education and research angle angle to it right so that we help people understand how the crypto assets work in an overall portfolio context how we can how we can help you get to overall better diversification and results so so that's also part of the asset management offering so for those exchange traded products is it bitcoin is it a is it touching longer tail assets yeah, so it's basically the it's called Moon. The ticker is Moon. Uh, you'll find on <laughs> Bloomberg as well. And basically, it's it's M O O N or M E W N. It's M O O N Moon, and and so what it does, it basically tracks the adoption of Layer One protocols in about eight different uh, different measures. It's it's rebalanced quarterly. Right now, there's nine underlying protocols in it. And it's driven by, for example, we measure the not just uh, volume and market cap, but also what, what is the Git, number of GitHub commits, number of developers working on it, number of transactions. And it's really, we want to track the adoption. Where do we see true adoption on actually the usage of the network? Uh, and so that's then how, what, what composes the index. Of course, there's Bitcoin, Ethereum, but then recently, of course, Solana was included. It's Polkadot, it's ADA, it's, it's these assets. But we don't take layer two or forks uh, into the index. So are traditional investors interested in getting exposure to a wide range of layer ones? How large is that? specific ETP? So that one right now, I think we are about uh, 70, 80 million USD uh, is in this. Uh, we have another a bit more than 100 million in the fund of fund right now. Overall, we are at about 2 billion assets under management. Um, so in the grand schemes of things, you can say it's pretty small still this particular ETP, but uh, the we do see it, it's growing, there's adoption. And um, I think we are at that inflection point when it comes to helping also more traditional folks understand what's happening. And uh, um, so we're quite confident about where we can take this because a lot of, of what's happening is as well, for many of the more traditional guys, they need to see a certain track record, sometimes two years, sometimes even three years before they can even contemplate adding you know, the product into a broader range of their portfolios. And we're just about uh, next year to reach that. And then uh, um, we... We are quite confident about further scaling it. So what type of investors are investing or, or purchasing this ETP? Is it 
traditional funds or mostly crypto native investors? I would say on this particular one, it's more, uh, it's, it's a mix, but I would say given that it's retail friendly, it's, it can be purchased via any bank. So as, because it's Swiss stock exchange listed, so we don't need to be a Signum client to buy it. So actually to some extent, we can't even track it fully, right? Who, who ultimately buys it. But, um, from the larger clients that we see invest, it's, it's, for example, external asset managers, which aggregate and buy it on behalf of their clients. Uh, it's family offices. It's those who, who may not yet be ready to have a direct exposure to the underlying, right? Who needs to feel more safe if there's a certain wrapper around it, uh, which to me, sometimes it's a, a bit difficult to understand, but it's just an easy access. It's, they know how this works. They know how it's booked. They know how it's included in an overall portfolio context. And those who have already crypto activated and know the space, right? They will open an account with us and take direct exposure as well to just buy Bitcoin directly, ETH directly, whatever coin they want. Uh, maybe hedge it via an option strategy and take a loan uh, to further leverage it or whatever. So that would then be more their behavior. When you know most people think about Switzerland, they think about the size and scope of its financial services sector. I think it accounts for you know more than ten percent at least of Switzerland's GDP. We're talking tens of thousands of jobs. Some of the most well-known banks are headquartered there. You think UBS, Credit Suisse, Julius Baer. I mean, this is a hub of financial services. Have the traditional banks warmed up to crypto? We see a lot of banks in the United States stateside warming up, but have these sort of old guards, you know, Swiss arbiters of capital, have they warmed up and how is Signum trying to warm them up? Yeah, it's a good point. I would say while I mean, I've been in the space since 2012 and I've tried to, you know, bring across the more institutional side, the larger institutions for a while. And I would say, while well, four years ago, I would often get the answer, you know, we really like the blockchain technology, but Bitcoin, oh my God, it's just for illicit activities. I'm oversimplifying a bit, but that was often a little bit the, you know, how they shut it down. Nowadays, the conversation goes very different. So there's very few banks in Switzerland which have not made it a strategic priority to really think it through. Uh, and there can still be, you know, many would, some would still say, well, right now we want to not touch it for X, Y, Z reasons, but there needs to be a strategic rationale. They need to have an answer to clients why or why they do it or why they don't do it. And that is what makes it very different. In And in Switzerland over the last two years, we have had various banks starting to, very small, which is simple spot trading, particularly on the private bank side, to allow it to the clients. We have various such clients that use our technology at an under, as banks, I mean, which use our technology via sub-custody and uh, setup. And so we see a very strong increased uh, also flow on our platform via this channel. The very big banks, you know, the UBSs and Suisses of the world, it's public, so I can say they have also started to hire in the space or looking at the space, but it will take a bit longer until they really make up their mind how they want to play it. But I think there's no question anymore whether or not somehow they need to get into the space, right? So, so that Switzerland is, 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 is with the crypto valley and with several hundred companies that have been driving the space and are driving the space. Most of the large crypto foundations being incorporated here. So it's a melting pot of it. And so it's a top topic, uh, even for 
traditional banks now with various speeds, of course, in terms of bringing it to market. Sure. But that wealth channel, that very large private wealth management channel hasn't necessarily been unlocked yet. So that provides a an avenue for growth. Massively. And I agree with you. It's not yet been unleashed. And we see it, you know, why? The why is because it's such a big step from from them to not just put in place the infrastructure to be able to do it, but then also to educate their relationship managers, their, you know, their compliance teams, etc., to be able to deal with it, right? And that is quite a lengthy process. We've also seen and if, for example, onboarded or first bank, when they publicly announced it, they couldn't follow through as fast as they would have thought because their relationship managers didn't know how to deal it, how to advise on it. So there's a lengthy educational process before you can really switch on the gears and accelerate. And I think the next two years, we're going to start to see that. And so, yes, I mean, of course, we're super bullish on the growth scenario here in Europe. And if you if you saw the, the latest class notes uh, uh, also, uh, you know, reports on on where in terms of the activity of transactions, etc. Europe has massively outgrown other regions uh, in the last few months, also, which is a sign that more and more is happening. So there's clearly a lot of attention being paid to what's going on in the public blockchain side of things. How to get exposure to some of these different tokens and layer one projects. One other thing that is maybe less sexy is just the idea of tokenization and supporting capital formation through, you know, the the launch of a token or, you know, securitizing a an asset with a token. How are you guys involved in that market and where do you see interest from issuers to create these security tokens? It seems like it's something that got a lot of attention maybe two years ago, but we haven't seen a lot of development on. No, I agree. And we see it as an emerging revenue opportunity. And the core business is clearly around crypto, as, as we've discussed. But we have constantly over the last three years invested in an in infrastructure to be able to do that. This year in Switzerland, also, we've now put into effect the Swiss DLT law. So a very specific blockchain based law, which makes it now possible to tokenize and transfer tokenized assets with really complete legal and regulatory clarity. So so that's amazing. And uh, we do have a finalized primary issuance and also secondary market within Signum, which is fully regulated institution grade. And we focus on, on four verticals. It's arts and collectibles, it's um, real estate, it's mid-cap and venture capital. And where we see the most demand right now is in the arts and collectibles pillar, where we, for example, to give you a sense, the last two projects we did in this vertical was we tokenized a portfolio of fine wine, uh, which was super well received. And more recently, when we tokenized a masterpiece, a real Picasso painting, uh, it was actually global news. It was it was really fun to see uh, where people can buy for 5K um, minimum part of a five to six mil masterpiece of Picasso. And so fractionalizing that ownership and then trade it uh, on a secondary market. So we believe in it. We believe it's still at the stage where the infrastructure needs to be finalized, uh, where across the value chain, sort of that inflection point has not yet come. But we continue to invest in it because we foresee that over the next one or two years, at some point, that point will be reached and we want to be want to be ready. Okay, so walk us through the wine thing. Is this wine on the blockchain? You, you partnered with 
Fine Wine Capital, a Swiss bank or a Swiss based firm. So how does that work? Do I, hmm. if I, how can I get a token? Do, and then do I have a token to very expensive wine? What's the process? Yeah. So, so basically the, so we've created the portfolio of wines, which have also a track record from an investment standpoint, right? And then obviously customized it, the, the bottles, the actual bottles, which have been audited with the third party that they're there from in terms of provenance, that is really the wine we're talking about, that. There's this, in the investment agreement, you also have clarity around where it's customized in terms of obviously many things need to be in place, temperature, et cetera, governance, who can access, who cannot. And all of that once in place, we've then created, a, we basically fractionalized the ownership of the wine and you put it on the platform. So via three clicks on the Signal platform, you can subscribe or you could at the beginning subscribe to owning a fraction of these portfolio of wines. And then once the issuance is done, then they were listed on our Sinex platform where people can basically trade them. So you can, you can say, I want to tomorrow, tomorrow want to, I want today want to sell a tenth of that expensive wine bottle. But if you accumulate a hundred percent equivalent of a, of a wine bottle, you can also then burn the tokens and take physical delivery of the wine. So basically you're creating this digital real but at the same time it's still real asset kind of convergence where you can take use it as an investment opportunity as a financial gains opportunity with liquidity along the way or if you feel it's the right time you can also get access to the actual underlying asset that's how how it works not sure if you'd want to drink it though it depends there are people that want to but it depends uh you know for most it is uh, it is an investment financial investment which they may not have had the resources to buy a full you know petrus or so which is mm. insanely expensive but also may not want to own a full picasso painting but they they have seen that over the last 30 years the value of because of picasso masterpieces have just constantly been uh, generating you know investment gains and so they want to use it as a, as a financial investment. So there's this opportunity where you can distribute the ownership of art, of wine through this service. Exactly. How, how big can that business be? I mean, right now for us, as mentioned, it's an emerging revenue opportunity. And uh, I would say 90% of our business is on, on the crypto side, right? It's, it's the services we've talked about, the asset management, it's custody, it's brokerage, it's lending. But it's um, it positions us basically with the, both the technology stack, but also the environment that we have here with regulatory clarity and legal clarity. It positions us nicely in kind of showing where things are headed, um, working with lighthouse projects, but it's not yet at scale, right? So we're talking about ten percent, five to ten percent of our revenue base uh, right now. But um, we we see strong growth on a relative basis, and they're expecting this to continue over the next years. So what would have been the alternative? Can you achieve something like what you've guys done with this wine company with non-blockchain technology? Uh, well, you probably could create some some sort of a database and, and try to just, well, but then, you know, no, I actually don't think so. Because if, if you want to have an always up-to-date ledger of who owns what and in delivery versus payment via digital with via stablecoin, right, where you within seconds transfer the ownership and settle it. I just don't see, if you look at today's world, how it works. Some, if you want to transfer a security, sometimes it takes seven days after 
until about seven parties have really reconciled and really done the settlement on it, particularly for more illiquid assets. So I really think it massively increases efficiency and even you know, allows us to look at tokenizing currently unbanked or non-banked assets. So I wouldn't know, or, or do you have a specific idea in mind how you would do it with immediate delivery versus payment, settlement, etc.? It definitely opens up the investor base to new types of folks who would not be able to have access to this type of real asset and then trade them, get the physical ownership, physical settlement. Yeah. And also maybe, you know, one other element, it's about ultimately it's about emotion. So for example, the Picasso, right, in the investment agreement, it's clearly stated that these the painting will actually be be lent out to museums. And when that then happens, usually that's a way of also increasing the value, right? And you also make it, people can go and see it, the public can go and see it. But then what you can do is those who own a part of the Picasso are then invited for a special event or, you know, in a private event where they can bring their friends and where the father can take the daughter and say, we co-own, you know, we own part of this painting. So it's also <laughs> a new way of, of you know, of, of it's... Signum's mission is to bring it to empower everyone everywhere to own digital assets with complete trust. It's about creating a more direct link between what we own and how we transfer it. And that is contributing to that mission because we can have more people investing lower sums, smaller sums of money into assets that they may not be able to buy in full and create new ways of how they can interact with it. Right. So, so, so that is ultimately contributing to that mission. And this was made possible because of an update or a new Swiss blockchain law. Yes, it makes it um, it makes it possible in the sense that you don't have to go via some corporate structure or some fund structure, some layering, right? Because if you look at in many other countries, even though it's a very small market, still people would tokenize, for example, the economic rights of a company or something like that. So it would be as if we would have to now create a company which owns the Picasso and then we tokenize the company shares, right? Now, mm. with this, we actually directly tokenize the real asset, right? So there's the token represents part of the asset directly without any layering in between. So that takes out complexity, gives legal clarity and puts again the, the investor closer to what he owns or co-owns, if that makes sense. Bank is the digital wallet of the future, empowering you to manage all of your digital assets from a single place. Back puts the power in your hands to get your crypto, loyalty and rewards points and gift cards together to choose how you want to use them. Treat your digital assets just like cash and convert, send or spend them using Back. Get started today and get it together with Back. Sign up at backbakkt.com. For the last 10 years, Kraken has been known as one of the best platforms for trading crypto online. Now with the new Kraken app, it's easier than ever to buy and sell over 60 of the most popular cryptocurrencies on the go 24-7. Simply download the Kraken app, connect your bank account, and start investing for as little as $10. Just a minute is all it takes to get started. I also want to give a special thanks to Exodus. Exodus is one of the most loved crypto apps due to its sleek design and easy to use exchange feature. Secure and manage over 130 cryptocurrencies from your computer or phone 
and interactive charts let you view the price history of a specific asset and your portfolio's performance over time. Sync your wallet across multiple devices to access your funds from anywhere. Maybe the best part is Exodus is integrated with the Trezor hardware wallet, making advanced security easy for everyone. Download Exodus at Exodus.com today. So let's then talk about the more overarching regulatory picture in Switzerland. There's obviously a lot going on here in the States. Um, a lot of talks about the degree to which Gary Gensler, who runs the SEC, might crack down to some extent. Is Switzerland a more friendly regulatory regime? Is there anything you think should change or be amended? Look, I mean, I may sound a bit bold, but I think it's the world's most advanced um, regulatory environment by far. So uh, we have full regulatory clarity. I mean, we are the world's first digital asset bank. So we got this full banking license with a focus on crypto and blockchain uh, in 2019. Uh, so in August 2019, and this is the highest license. So we have the same license as a UBS has or a Credit Suisse has. And that shows you that everything we do follows these rules and we know what we can do and what we cannot do. And that combined with the legal clarity we have, you know, is infusing an environment where I sleep well at night because I know that we don't have a Signum legacy, which five years from now, regulators will look back on and say, well, you did that in the past and now we're going to go after you. So that is actually a very strong value proposition that we have. And we see it right now because you're just pointed to the US and let alone China, etc. I don't want to compare the US to China when it comes to our space, but you see that there's increased regulatory clarity slowly catching up across the world, but in particular the US, but it comes with very significant increasing regulatory scrutiny as well, both at the national level, but also increasingly at the interface of countries. It's more, it seems more orchestrated when you look what happens to Binance, for example, or even, and then in the US, of course, I mean, I could give you five, six examples of what, I mean, you know it, you know it better than me. So, for us, this was always a core belief that future has heritage and we need to set it up in a way that whatever we do, nobody can come after us. We want to control the, the fiat digital asset gateway so we don't have any bank we rely on, right, that says, if you do this, then we will just make sure you don't have access to USD anymore or Swiss franc rails. We control it ourselves. So so that is a, actually the very core of why we did what we did. US, I feel, is just so... So fractionalized. I think there's mm. so many regulators involved that, and it's a bit of a land grab exercise that's happening and trying to kind of what are the interfaces. So it's probably going to take a while for it to to work out. But I'm proud of of my fellow co-founders and just generally the ecosystem as well in the US that there's a lobbying emerging. People are starting to fight for it, and and also ha so I'm I'm positive uh, that it will work itself out. But what's your opinion, actually, if I may? I would be interested. Well, I was um, just going to say, you know, you seem to be having a bit easier of a time than than maybe a Credit Suisse, which just got raided by the police <laughs> over that Grenzel investigation. So yes, uh, it's funny to see um, maybe the heat a bit more on the legacy financial system in Switzerland relative to maybe the crypto financial system. Clearly, I mean, yeah, I mean, the one piece of clarity that I'd be curious if you have in Switzerland, because it's the the aspect of it's something that everyone in the United States wants to know, which is, you know, if some of these tokens are securities, which ones are they? 
which ones are, but I guess you wouldn't necessarily need to worry about that because you're allowed to engage and deal with securities. So even if one token was a security, you wouldn't have to you won't have to worry about being outside the regulatory parameters. That's exactly the case. So we really, I mean, while I don't want for, what I want for the general digital asset ecosystem for the crypto community, in particular in the US as well, is that the SEC or the regulators just make it clear what a security is and whatnot and give clear guidance. And so far, I, I feel it's a bit like, I just weird, it's not clear. For us, it is clear here in Switzerland, we know which of the tokens that we list that are securities, which not. But if they are, it doesn't matter to us because we are allowed to deal with them, as you say. So does the regulatory body there, have they said X token is a security, Y token isn't? Yeah, we know, for example, that there's not even a question, where, you know, Bitcoin, Ethereum, for example, this is, it's so clear that there's not a security. FINMA is what it's called. Yeah, so so that's that's clear. So there's three token types, payment tokens, utility tokens, and the asset tokens. There's a pretty clear view of, of what is what and, and who can deal with them in what way. I give you the example of this lend situation with Coinbase, right? Coinbase yeah. SEC. Well, you know, maybe it's a security, but then for us, we are obviously working on such a product, as you can imagine. And um, we don't care if it's a security because we can deal with, with securities ultimately. So Yeah, and it, it kind of speaks to the degree to which U.S. investors might be getting blocked out of certain products that can give them yields that are higher than they'd find in the traditional legacy system. Swiss investors, Swiss retail investors, I'd imagine, maybe not, can get access to those products here in the United States. It looks like they're not going to be able to. I mean, in the US, they, they get it via directly interacting with DeFi, right? Uh, but the moment you want to do it via you know, an intermediary or, or, or not wanting to deal with custodizing your assets yourself or self-custody, then it looks a little bit like it seems to be going into that direction. But then I hope that the regulator will just at least create a level playing field and those who follow the rules and get the licenses are registered, that they then also would be able to do that. Because, you know, one thing I need to say, while we have $2 billion in assets, about a billion dollars we did not onboard because if we did, we felt down the line we would get into trouble in terms of, you know, AML, etc. So which is also a statement. And we know where these assets would have come from because obviously in the onboarding process you see where they would be sent from so what i want to say with this is doing it the way we do it in a fully regulated environment also comes at the cost in the sense of you know you're audited constantly you have comply big compliance risk teams you have legal teams you need to you need to really do stuff right and properly it comes at the cost uh, it sometimes also comes at the cost that of, of scaling very fast and so in that sense i also have some understanding that the regulator are you know need to make sure that there's a level playing field but what we can never hopefully do is that we are creating this this mode of uh, if you're not regulated you you know you're kind of excluded from participating in that that market that would be a, a very weak statement and it would basically uh, reduce innovation for the good ultimately so i think the right we need to strike the right balance and i hope the us will also get to that i wouldn't hold my breath so what do you think is the biggest concern or the biggest uh, headache of the of your compliance team? Maybe what are they? What's keeping them up at night? <laughs> I mean, you would have to talk to them directly, but I mean, it's certainly 
just following all the the national and international AML rules, right? Kind of uh, making sure that the source of wealth is clear. How has someone made the money in crypto or else elsewhere that is clear that is clearly documented so that it's auditable? Um, that is a big that's a big chunk of the work. Then, of course, in cooperation with various uh, analytics companies, chain analysis uh, topics to document things and understand things in a way that it's onboarding any tainted assets. So these are these are the things because ultimately what we do is we sell trust, right? Ultimately it's it's tr- it's a trust and reputation game and so we just want to stay away far from any any such situation. So I think that's what would keep them up uh, what would keep them busy. Selling trust for products tied to trustless assets. Yeah. I was hoping you were making that point. <laughs> There's always a bit of a bit of irony when you think about some of the intermediaries in this market. Look, I'm trying, mean, trying to, I, trying to, yeah, yeah. I fully understand. I'm glad you bring this up because I tell you, in 14, 15, 16, 17, I myself, I had the mission to have no bank account. I swore myself actually earlier in my career I would never work for a bank. So you know, we we don't know each other. Personally, but if you knew how how I have kind of grown up, what my background is, and how I've what ultimately drives me as a person, if you would basically think, why has he built a bank, right? But I at some point realized, and by the way, I'm a CEO of a bank. I've never worked in a bank before, so it's not a bank as you may you know know or what you would associate a bank with. On the contrary, if you look at the people, this is a tech company with a banking license because we need it to offer what we want to offer to our clients. To bring about change, the change that I think many of the listeners and you and I actually believe in. So, mm. so that's number one. But sometimes it's again that future has heritage. If we if we want to really change the way we do things and empower people more, we need to just respect some of the heritage, right? And maybe it's also a little bit of a Trojan horse approach. You need to link the worlds. You need to make people understand who control ninety nine percent of the assets that where we want to take it makes sense and you need to take them on the journey. So, And for that, I believe, particularly when it comes to money, there will be always big portions of, of, of the population that, that won't be able to directly interact with the technology, that won't feel comfortable to, to do that themselves. And for that, let's help them. Let's give them a bridge. And to that point, sometimes even managing uh, you know, trustless uh, DLT infrastructure requires a layer of trust given by there's people, there's someone you can call if things go wrong kind of behind, right? Particularly when it comes to institutional money. And so that's what we provide. But I obviously understand the point you're making. I, I get it. Yeah, all. I'm sure you do. You got the you got the pitch down straight. I want to pivot over to this fund. We report on new funds launching in the space almost every other day, it seems. But you guys paired up with SBI and an Italian-based banking entity for a $75 million VC fund. Uh, joining a a very crowded market of crypto venture capitalists or capital, venture capital investors, what type of startups are you looking? Are you guys looking to back? I don't know the degree to which you're involved in this specific initiative, but I'm sure you can kind of talk about uh, maybe the mandate or thesis. Yeah, so the mandate is really that obviously a, a core pillar of our offering at Signum is also corporate banking. Right, as you know, many of the of the blockchain companies and protocols, etc., have always traditionally had issues finding players that work with them on on the banking side. And so we've heard over the last few years, we've been approached by so many companies with that challenge, and we've supported them on on that front. And now it feels it's a, a bit of a 
us trying to give back to those who are just starting because I think we are only just beginning at truly, you know, where we're going to take this digital asset economy and crypto economy. So we also want to, uh, now that we've already, you know, could grow, we've grown very, very fast. We've established uh, in Switzerland and Singapore, I think a brand people trust. And now it is our way of, of helping early on. So we do, we get involved early infrastructure plays. Of course, we're looking at the next DeFi application that makes sense, the next uh, uh, NFT thing that's coming. Well, that's what the team is focusing on. And ultimately, it's then creating an ecosystem which goes beyond just investing investing in them, but then also obviously helping them with with, with linking them to uh, via banking services, etc. It's just kind of with SPI, who's strong in, in Japan, but has global reach, with Asimut, who's uh, the largest actually um, independent asset manager with global reach, about 70 billion assets on the management out of Italy. So kind of that is the goal. And we've only just launched, right? So uh, I think we haven't even, I think we have two investments in the making. It's literally, I think it was announced last week. So it's early days. What is your opinion of the venture landscape right now? Valuations are really high. There's obviously a lot of deals to get in on, but do you view it as difficult and, and frothy? What's your perspective? I, I used to be venture capitalist before, uh, you know, co-founding Signum. I was managing the family office of, of Ratan Tata with a sole focus, so Indian industrialist with a sole focus on, mm-hmm. on tech investments. And I must say, if I switch on my investor lens, right, and then sometimes, you know, there's this cross-founder thing going on, right, where oftentimes you're asked also as an angel, you want to invest, etc. And if you then sometimes get responses like, you know, we close it next week. The, the, the network value is, is set at the billion dollars. Uh, we are 20 people. We have great technology. And I ask two questions. For example, you know, we have an overview presentation. No, no, you know, you've already invested X taking 35 million. Uh, you have time till next week. It would be great just, you know, helping out each other. Uh, any more details? No, no, you know. So then I get a bit worried sometimes. Uh, I must be open. And I obviously went through the whole ICO uh, craze myself and I loved it. Now it feels different, but it is, there will be some awakening in, in some parts of the ecosystem at some point. I, I hope you agree. A shaking out. So yeah, what are yeah. Signum's own plans? Are we looking at raising more? Are we looking at going public? Are we looking at tokenizing the firm and doing a merger with the wine? <laughs> that's a good idea i haven't, I haven't know. thought about that what are no, the but, options no look we've raised about 90 million uh, so far and we're right now actually in the, in, in the final stage of a pretty final stage of a fundraise adding another 65 uh, million swiss and then what's happening after that is uh, we'll see it would probably go into the direction of going public at the right time as a hypothesis but then things are changing so fast these days. I also foresee a massive consolidation wave over the last next two years across regions, etc. So let's see. In terms of your question of tokenizing shares, our shares are already tokenized. We, of course, eat our own dog food. So uh, all our investors uh, have uh, Signum tokens uh, in their portfolio. So you'll have a fresh injection of new capital. How do you plan to deploy that? What aspects, areas of the business Will you double down on? Is it mostly to have more money on the balance sheet? Yeah. So, so over the next twelve months, I would say if there's one big focus on the tr- product development side, and that's ongoing. It's really providing institutional grade access to yield and staking. We already now offer ease to staking. I think we're still the only bank. Actually, it, please correct me if I'm wrong, but we at least haven't found a bank 
that is actually doing this in a fully institutional grade manner, including, you know, all the reporting that is required, et cetera, mm. tax, et cetera. So we have that. We are expanding on that offering massively over the next months. We are working on, on creating that TratFi, DeFi link, right? That is a big one for us. If we could imagine we could do a USDC or that's what we will be doing, USDC lend, uh, uh, yield on pool X, but in a way that it's accepted by regulators and we can follow all the AML, etc. rules. So that's a big one. Um, that's what we want to crack. And uh, we want going to continue to further um, invest in our tokenization stack uh, in, on the second order, right? We've just uh, launched bonds, tokenized bonds, for example, recently. Uh, so that's a little bit the key focus. And on the asset management side, we're about to launch further structured products, um, a DeFi baskets, uh, baskets uh, a momentum strategy, just, just to complement the product offering. And to your point around on balance sheet, right? I mean, that is a short term view. We as a bank, of course, we're subject to all these, you know, when on balance sheet requirements, uh, and core equity capital requirements, etc. But ultimately, our goal is in the next phase, why a smart contract functionality or rather bringing things on chain to mm. actually find ways to take things off balance sheet. So we started that with the spot trading. So if we have a scalable business around or custody of crypto, so given that we segregated ownership down to the blockchain, if so, if someone holds Bitcoin with us, it's written down to the onto the blockchain, right? Who owns how much? So there's actually no counterparty risk vis-a-vis Signum. So again, we want to empower people to have more direct access to ownership and value. Hence, um, we, we can keep these assets off balance sheet already now which makes it it's the only way for us to be scalable ultimately. I don't know whether that makes sense. It's a bit banking, uh, but, uh, you know. No, it, it does. You won't need to be so reliant on on the balance sheet, given what you can sort of do yeah. while it's leveraging the technology. Exactly. This has flown by. I feel like we touched all the important, some of the important factors. There's going to be an interesting story to watch here post this raise. I'm excited to see how that asset management business builds out because I think it's something... A lot of firms are trying to do. I know Galaxy's trying to do it. They just acquired a fund to fund. And, you know, people across the ecosystem want to get an ETF on the market. So it's hyper competitive, but with hyper competition comes interesting new products. And I'm sure we'll see some come out of Signum. Well, thank you so much for stopping by the show. Where can our listeners learn more about what you're working on? Well, Signum.com, obviously, on all social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, or just contact me, Matthias.inbach at Signum.com. It would be a pleasure to engage and uh, hear your feedback, thoughts, suggestions. Matthias, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Frank, for having me. Pleasure. The Scoop will be back for you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.